Good morning, benders and non-benders of... Hello, freebenders of Republic City. Welcome to the Republic City Dispatch, a revolutionary radio program covering Nickelodeon's Legend of Korra series. This week on The Aftermath. Too long have the weak-willed metal benders under cheap paybong held down the bending population. Too long have we falsely placed our hope in the Avatar. We promise you a new world, an equal world, where even the most vicious benders can be met in combat by our technology. And now, the voices of the revolution, Matt, Dave, and Devendra. Oh boy, I'm, I'm a little scared now. Welcome back to Republic City Dispatch, which has been taken over by Amon and his forces, it seems. Um, <laughs> but we're trying to broadcast in secret from a remote location to bring you the latest on uh, this week's episode, The Aftermath. I'm Matt Patches, and with me as always are uh, Dave Gonzalez. That would be me with a seven. <laughs> uh, yes, I forgot. And then Davindra Hardawar. Hello, hello. And uh, so, yeah, we should jump right into it. I, I, another great episode. I was telling someone recently that I, I, I don't know if I'm just high on The Legend of Korra or if it's legitimately great. And they told me, and this was a compliment, that uh-huh. I would not just be dissuade. You know, my opinion would not be uh, won over by fandom alone and that the show is actually probably just as good as I think it is. Oh, and good. I believe that. I believe I was that. wondering... I was wondering the same thing. I'm like, am I really, is this one of the best things that's airing on television right now, or am I too close to it? I think we are, I think we're removed enough. We're a critical bunch, and but it's really exceptional storytelling. And this, for me, I was extremely satisfied by the aftermath because it was an injection of um, plot that I was craving, and mm-hmm. just lots of things going on in this episode. So Dave, why don't you just recap quickly what went down in this week's episode? All right, so the pro-bending arena has been destroyed last week's episode. This is the titular aftermath. Uh, Korra wants Mako and Bolin to stay with her at Air Temple Island, but instead they decide to stay with the Satos and the Sami in their mansion, where Korra overhears evidence of Hiroshi Sato's secret uh, equalist strike plans. Um, So she alerts Lin Beifong, who's currently on blast by Tarlock, and uh, alerts Tenzin, who uh, recently and wrongfully shut down Cabbage Corp for helping Amon. And then Mako gets all sensitive because Korra doesn't trust Asami and the Satos. But a seemingly undercover source reveals that Sato is working on a new equalist weapon in a secret factory under his mansion. So when Baifong and Tenzen and Korra go to investigate, they find they were set up by Sato who has been making mech suits. <laughs> mech suits, everybody. Of course. Of course. Yeah. So everyone fights uh, Mako and Bolin, uh, which I am starting to call Team Korra Generation 2. Have to say, Bifong, Korra, and Tenzin, which I would call Team Korra Generation One, <laughs> and Asami uh, gets a little Darth Vader moment with her father. Darth Vader in Return of the Jedi, not Darth Vader in Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> Very different Darth Vader moments, uh, and everyone narrowly escapes. Korra uh, lets Asami, or I'm sorry, Korra lets Mako go, uh, sort of to Asami again. It's sort of like the romantic echo, and uh, Bifong decides to go all rogue. So that's about where we're left off, and yes. uh, super. Lots of super awesome action in between there, and then one driving scene that I'm not sure why it was there, but I'm sure we could discuss that. Sure, <laughs> yes. The Legend of Korra has officially gone anime with the inclusion of mech tanks, I think. That, that's just, that struck me as a very anime thing to do. Oh, of course mech there are tanks. robots. Yeah, and the, the driving scene, too, is like very Speed Racer-esque. 
So it's like lots of little nods to anime all around, right? I, yeah. I recently watched the um, anime film Redline. Have you seen this? Oh, I, I've been meaning to see that, but that thing looks insane. One of yeah. the wildest animes I've ever seen, and that the racing scenes reminded me of that because that's like a thousand mm-hmm. mile per hour racing drama, and it's whacked out of its mind. And I'm yeah. glad that uh, Korra can boldly step into that arena. <laughs> <laughs> I- I'm appreciating it because, you know, stylistically, it, you know, kind of bounces back and forth from this more anime style, like we saw in the spirit of competition. And here, I think they're doing a really good job balancing the budget within the episode uh, to, you know, have this awesome action scene at the end. But um, I don't know if there's like a tentacle monster in the finale, I might (laughs) I might tune out. Oh, that's that's such a stereotype, Dave. I'm really, really disappointed in you there. Yeah, low blow. Well. Come hey, on. look, we got mech suits that look like big daddies from Bioshock. And I was like, yeah. oh, OK, Korra, we're I mean, it's really cool. That they went there, but yeah. it's just I, I love that they're those mech suits are totally fitting right in this universe and with what we're seeing in the show, like how it's slowly being built up. And uh, yeah, more so than the original Last Airbender. This one is definitely shaping up to be like a legit um, mature anime series and that means giant robots guys yeah it's a must um so as uh, beyond the mech tanks that we saw what what else struck you in this episode davindra was there something (laughs) that stood out here i think as a whole what i love about this show is is just the great writing because this this episode the aftermath um there's there's so many consequences for everything that happened in the last episode and because of aman's uh you know attack um, Beifong is just com- sort of broken and she, she's just lost in her job. Tenzin has to step up and we were talking about when we'd finally get to see him in action. Great to see that. He, and, he uh, did yeah. a uh, variation of the air ball in this episode. He had like yes. an air wheel yes. that he did. Yeah. <laughs> which was amazing. <laughs> I wonder, yeah, who gets to sit around and come up with the new powers that they get to use. But uh, yeah, I, I love that you know, actions um, have consequences, and this episode is just full of them. Yeah, one of my favorite things in this episode was uh, Mako basically accusing Korra of something that's very typical, I think, mm-hmm. from, a, from a male perspective. It's like, why are you being jealous of me as, as the female? And uh, we've been talking a lot about the gender aspects of Korra, and I thought that was a really interesting play because it's so obvious for a guy to think that, Especially when he's the one who's being jealous and having these problems. And Korra can really put it aside mm-hmm. and be critical of the, the task at hand. And I thought that was a really interesting, subtle play on their continuing, evolving relationship. And, and of course, there's this great action and we see a lot of plot that has to do with the mythology of the show. But at the end of the day, like those scenes strike me the most as, as mature, great writing. Uh-huh. I think it's great that we um, got the entire... Cabbage Corp Future Industries technology <laughs> battle like rolled into this one episode. I mean, I kind of, I kind of saw it coming uh, with the mention of Cabbage Corp, um, and, and the winner is uh, when they you know reveal the gloves. I'm like, these things are being mentioned too close together to not be interrelated sometime in the future. <clears throat> but I really, I do want to go back and ask you guys about the driving moment because I, first of all, I'm not exactly sure that Asami isn't still evil. By the oh, way, oh yeah. Oh, um, there's still something fishy, and I love. Uh, I'm looking at their Tumblr thing now, and people are like, "You owe Sami an apology." Right? I yeah. do not owe Sami <laughs> anything. Not yet. I don't. I don't think she's completely off the hook. Of course, I really do love 
the moment where it seems like she's legitimately confronting her dad and mm-hmm. saying, like, I can't – I love you, dad, but I have to zap you with this electric glove because what you're doing yeah. is wrong. But little things like after the driving scene where she says um, – or she says something, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. Yes. Or yes. I've been taking self-defense classes since I was a little kid and uh, mm-hmm. daddy made sure I could always protect myself. She feels very independent even though she's daddy's little girl. Yeah. Which yeah. strikes it, me as like mm-hmm. she's up to she has her own thing going on. It would be seen. wonderful if there's like this great double play where she knew what her father was doing, but because he screwed up and literally brought all the heroes to their secret lair. I, what was the plan there, by the way? Like trick them into coming to your factory and then kill them all. Nobody would su- suspect you or anything. That seems like the worst. Uh, you know, secret plan ever. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it turns out like Asami is still involved somehow, but she had to get her dad out of the way for screwing everything up. Or or Amon had to get her right. dad out of the way because for right. me, Amon is a very tricky man. He, everything like with the last week's episode and how, you know, the fire ferrets had to lose that match and everything is so calculated. I wonder if Amon is much closer to Asami and then throwing um, Sato under the bus was kind of the Indeed. whole plan all along. And we we also uh brought up the idea of uh Asami actually being Amon too, which still could work with everything we have so far. Yes, much like I changed my voice for this intro, she could have something inside of that mask that makes her sound just more awesome. <laughs> Dave, wait yeah. to pull back the curtain. Oh, sorry, sorry. I mean we're getting deep enough into the series now where it's like <laughs> I'm starting to roll back a lot of the things that I thought we were going to learn in between mm-hmm. Avatar, The Last Airbender, and here. This one yeah. is definitely the first episode that has zero connection to the previous series. At no time do they, like, bring it up. The only, I mean, the closest thing is uh, Lin Beifong using Toph's uh, seeing-through-her-feet power oh, to man. discover the... Uh, and some, someone brought up, like, why hasn't she been using that before? It's like a custom lie detector test. And, right, like, guys, right. just, just let it be cool. Let it be cool. Like, her, and she, like you know, her, I love how her, uh, what, her, like, the lower... Her foot yes, area, her boots kind of, kind of uh, detracts retracted. into her suit. Oh man, it, it happened so quickly. It was like, oh my god, is this happening? Is this happening? I got yeah. chills. And yeah. she has Wolverine spikes uh, in addition <laughs> to her uh, Spider-Man metal things. Yep. So I'm. Oh so, yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I'm so ready for her She's to going go rogue. rogue. Yeah. Metal bending, guys. I told you, metal bending is the best thing about this series, and it continues to get more awesome. But yeah, it continues to get more awesome because it has distinct limitations. Yes. I was. Yes. I immediately after watching this episode went to the Wikipedia Wikipedia page for platinum. <laughs> total nerd. And I'm like, is this legit? Would this they not be able to bend that? And yeah. to, to be honest, scientifically speaking, platinum is an unreactive metal that is extremely rare and it makes perfect sense. You know, why it doesn't have enough uh, metal element to does, it to actually bend. And I love it, that it's scientifically correct. Does it feel weird to have platinum in this universe? Is it like the bear in the Earth Kingdom where it's like, <laughs> this is overlap with our world that I don't get at this point? Well, deeper digging revealed that there's a, quite a bit of platinum on the moon, and that just started getting my imagination running in like a wild direction. <laughs> so they, they gutted Yue and took out all of her insides? <laughs> Inside She's the moon unbe- spirit, there is plentiful platinum. That's, more, that's furthering the podcast, spirit conflict. <laughs> <laughs> Unbendable UA is now oh. a major foe. Uh, but I did want to bring up, too, like what I love about this episode is we get some great detective work. Actually, we get some all, just terrible detective work on the terrible. part of yeah. uh, Tenzin and uh, Beifong. They just kind of barge in to places. Yeah. And they're like, <laughs> hey, you know, we got a tip. 
that uh, maybe Sato is up to no good. Why don't we just storm his mansion? That's good, And destroy right? all of his crates. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Horrible detective work. Until, of course, Cora gets involved, and it really becomes this noirish. I mean, I love that they <laughs> go under a bridge to talk to a guy with a big uh, trench coat with his uh, collar up. Uh, I'm currently reading... A, a trilogy of books, Paul Auster's New York Trilogy, which is like meta detective fiction that I would recommend to everybody. And it just like it was the perfect time in my life to see that scene because it's it's classic noir. It's classic detective storytelling. And, and I love that uh, within this world, we've mentioned before that Cora is like the grand fan fiction, you know, in the wake mm-hmm. of last airbender. And I still think like it can play with so many genres in Republic City. Anything's what? possible. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the great fan fiction because the cabbage guy also has a statue. So everyone everyone that was important in Avatar The Last Airbender somewhere has a statue in Republic City. And they've now dispelled a strange theory that many of our listeners have had that perhaps the cabbage man was a mon all along. I think we're, that's over, right? Yes, I think we, we now see he's just a competing company guy and he'll, he'll probably come patsy. out on top. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, Future Industries is probably done as of next week, I'm guessing, that, uh, you know, now that Asami and uh, Tenzin and Beifong got to escape, unless Tarlock's more involved than I think he is, uh, if I were Tarlock, the first thing I'd do is get rid of the Hiroshi Sato sort of Mm -hmm. open end. Mm -hmm. Um, But, I mean, it's going to be interesting. This series is very quickly defying my expectations, like, week to week, so I'm... I, I'm, I wasn't around last week to make any predictions, but that's fine because they would have all been completely wrong. Well, Asami will eventually assume sort of, some sort of control over that company. I mean, her age is kind of up in the air. What, do you guys think she's still a teenager or she's like young 20s? I can't even tell. Uh, 16, 17. I think okay. that's the ages for Asami, Mako, Bolin, and Korra around okay. that. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely see her playing a bigger role in the company at some point, and there is still something fishy there. Like I don't know how people can ignore all the weird um, issues that we're seeing. Like when they were in the driving scene, and Cora's like, "You're really kind of messing that dude up to win this race." Yeah. Clearly, yeah. You, you will. Yeah, She's nothing throat. will stop you. Yeah, and she's still an awesome driver that supposedly hit Mako by accident. On a exactly. Moped, so yeah. I still don't. I'm sorry, guys. Asami is still questionable in my mind. Well, and the other thing is, don't we need the electric gloves to continue, like, their existence and their production to continue to have a, a major conflict? I, I think so. And the, they, they'll sort of become like, uh, what, like any weapon in, like, any sci-fi or fantasy thing. Like, people may want to get rid of the gloves, but I think what Asami just – what we saw her do in that in this episode is that – it allows her to be equally competitive with all the other benders out there. Like that's something I don't think she'd give up. And you know, it's it's a power that now they kind of have to deal with. Right. You you uh, get a bit of that foreshadowing, I think, mm-hmm. in her pause. I mean, yeah. there's a distinct pause there before she zaps her dad, and yeah. she's obviously summing th- some things up. And I th- I think you're right. It would be hard to totally get rid of the electric gloves. So even though Sato has been kind of incarcerated at this point. Mm-hmm. That can't that aspect of the show can't go away, and it's funny that well, you mentioned Tarlock, Dave, because I think he might be key to that. There, there might be something fishy between him and this whole operation. Uh-huh. I'd, yeah. I'd be interested to see if Sato is incarcerated at the beginning of the right. next episode, because at this point, it seemed as they were on that airship escaping, 
it's it will be just as easier as easy to make this like a small team of people who really know what's going on as the city goes crazy with all these different opinions of w- how to deal with the equalists. Right. I'm waiting so for see- Tarlock to give the pardon or like give give the pass to uh, to future industries or something and and really mm-hmm. show his evil color. Yes. Oh man, I I think I have no idea why Aman has been. I mean, distant. I mean, I like that he's distant because every mm-hmm. time we leave him on alone for an episode, he comes back and does something crazy the next episode. So if that falls in line, I'm, that's cool. But it seems like we're looking and we're going to find our villains in between showdown. And I think that also makes it easier for Amon to have some sort of ulterior, more sympathetic motive, even though he seems to be really super happy, destructive right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But do you think you mentioned Amon's absence and I wonder if he really is absent or if that just plays to the fact that someone we've met, someone who exists in this world, is is Amon. Um, I mean, I think they did a really good job of planting into our head when they're they're like, we're going to bundle these guys up and take them in the transports to Amon. Yeah. And then yeah. they show all these different characters. So it's like, okay, either Amon's here already or he's not here. And really, you shouldn't be thinking about it because we're in the middle of this awesome episode. So that's that's my opinion. I don't think we saw Amon. I don't think we should really be worrying about who Amon is yet, um, which I know feels counterintuitive. Hmm. But it seems like this story is going to, you know, is kind of giving the basis of where Republic City's at. And I'm not, I, I don't know, it would seem weird, but it also would, wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility, I don't think, if season one doesn't completely wrap up um, all of these threads. Oh, uh, sure. That, yeah. And I'm on, you know, it seems like he's the obvious thread to shut down, but maybe he's not. Maybe he is the Darth Vader that's we're going to we're going to follow through and mm-hmm. make him more complex. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I just can't wait to see Lin Beifong go rogue because this yeah. is going to be so awesome. Someone like, mentioned, do you think that she will take her metal benders with her? Like, is it, didn't is they just take all her metal society? benders like they they captured her metal benders? That's the whole point. So they're all gone. You think all the, it, fi- the her metal team, benders? like her crack team of elite metal bending cops, were that was the team that you know uh, went to that secret wa- warehouse, and I, I'm pretty sure they were all captured. Except except the one that Mako and Bolin tied up. He yes, might have made it down. that dude who is totally <laughs> useful. Yes, he's so super useful. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I it be I we I think we're either gonna get a small team of those of generate a team core as generations one and two. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I want to. I guess this would be an interesting time to sort of go into some fan comment directions and see if that gives us uh, some things. Sure. I, we're talking about Bifong going uh, rogue. Uh, Dakota is so random. Comments on Tumblr. What's with all these uh, people getting killed by firebenders? Uh, we learned that the Sato's uh, wife and uh, Sami's mother was also mm-hmm. killed by a firebender, an Agni Kai gang member. But that's the third um, person that has had their one of their parents killed by firebenders. That's true. Yeah. As just as she, she continues, seems Beifong's going to go all Wolverine, yes. But what, um, whatever do you think Asami is in the clear, or do you think she's still open to suspicion? I mean, she could still be a spy. I don't think she is, but you never know. We did just see mech suits. Yes, we did. And she does look a lot like an evil anime villain, and we're in an anime world. So yes, I'm, I'm not sure that she's completely out of the water. Um, while we're on to Tumblr comments, Anonymous says... Doesn't Tarlock remind you of Longfang? Uh, he's connected to the leaders of the city, just like Longfang was connected to the Earth King, and he's in charge of some type, type of task force. This episode, Tarlock is repeatedly asking Beifong if she would be held completely responsible. Sorry, this came uh, from, and the winner is. <laughs> yeah. 
for the safety of the event, which he has technically failed upon. And then I want to add to this uh, comment that our beloved announcer has been replaced with the completely original Tarlock monologue at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. Well, I yeah. thought that was a really interesting, clever way of recapping last week while, I mean, that's part of the story. I think Tarlock yeah. really complicated things with that opening and, and what I think the um, Long Fang comparison is apt. I think he's a, definitely a puppeteer and he might really be pitting um, his crew against Korra, Tenzin, and Beifong mm-hmm. in, in the episodes to follow. Yeah, you know what, guys? I, like, I actually just rewatched uh, Rob Roy, which I hope both of you have seen. But I'm definitely getting a big sort of like, you know, aristocracy vibe here who's like manipulating these little, you know, uh, pawns. Yeah. So Everyone was at that uh, that Cora yeah. Cora uh, media event. I think is uh, really devious. Can, can you can you elaborate <laughs> on that comparison, Devinder? So uh, people who uh, may j- not, just uh, to refresh, so Rob Roy is all about like you know this this great uh, Scottish like he's not you know he's in charge of people. He's not like a, a king or anything. But it's you know Liam Neeson's character. He's a cool dude. He helps support a whole bunch of people who live near him, and he gets into this contract with this. Uh, uh, British, like uh, some sort of like business person, and they sort of steal the money from him. And it's all about how like the aristocracy can like s- control and step over the lives of the individual. And I, I, it, Tarlock seems a lot like that at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's the only really interesting thing about Tarlock is he would be the only bender equal as sympathizer that we've seen if he's actually involved like knows the plan he could just be a slimy dude that just wants mm-hmm. to control you know everything and that would be interesting i'm not sure if we have a long enough series to have that many different villains coming at mm-hmm. each other but i would certainly appreciate that level of storytelling i mean a lot of a lot of uh batman parallels both got used and went out the window simultaneously in this episode <laughs> So I'm just really enjoying uh, sort of the overall feel that, you know, this is just completely different from Avatar The Last Airbender and anything we sort of brought up. Like, we didn't hear about the spirit world. We didn't see any flashbacks. We didn't hear about, you know, the Pema, uh, Tenzin, Baifong love triangle, which they could have easily tried to put in and they didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, They're working together more now, which is nice to see, you know. Yeah. I mean, hopefully that doesn't turn into another love triangle. I think we're, (laughs) we're love triangled out. Um, but also, Mako and Bolin get uh, great, like, little character bits that don't have to uh, sort of dominate like they did, I think, in mm-hmm. uh, the spirit of competition. Especially their um, little one-two with the uh, guard with the sneeze that immediately <laughs> goes into the, the earth bending. And you could obviously, they, they have all these little tricks they have from being street urchins. And I would love to see more of that where it's just like, oh, you don't want us on the team? That's fine. We'll just save you because we're street smart and awesome. They're like, and also they're like more a, a duo of Aladdins. Yes. I, I oh, thought man. about that. Um, Sato calls Mako, you firebending street rat. And of course, my immediate <laughs> reaction was, street rat. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, wonderful. Well, backing up just very quickly, Dave, I'm kind of curious what you think that Tarlock's um, motivation would be then if he ends up being kind of a bad guy. I think um, you may have touched on it, but. Well, I mean, there's always the people that think that if they're in power after something has collapsed, that they'll be able to rebuild in their own image somehow better. Um, I'm not sure what we know about Tarlock's uh, overall motivation. I think he's just super power hungry. 
And uh, it seems like Amon is more talking about taking the whole world and making it fine for non-benders, and Tarlok mm-hmm. is more, I want to control the city. So right. he's more a, a political threat, and uh, if he's not directly involved, I think he would, uh, I, he'd be a villain in the sort of way that he would get control of the police force, and he'd be like, you know what, Amon, you just do your thing, uh, after yeah. you destroy most of the city, I will build it back up, and Republic City will be this... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Finally, I'll get my statue. I, um, I was reading a really interesting essay that uh, a writer named Zach Beauchamp wrote called The Legend of Korra Takes on Redistribution on a site called uh, Think Progress. And he basically compares the show to the philosophy of John Rawls, this 20th century political philosopher, and goes into this whole thing about luck egalitarianism Hmm. and how basically Amon's position is very strange because if you eliminated all the benders from Republic City, then who, like, wouldn't it crumble? Because it's basically run by benders who are working in factories and, like, they're keeping it alive. So what could the last... What, what what is his main motivation? What is anybody who's evil in this society looking to gain? Because at the end of the day, you need the balance between benders and non-benders to be able to function. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you could wipe it out completely, and I begin to think more about that idea, like what the the final act is going to be. Because if mm-hmm. you can't wipe them all out, yeah, and then and, and then how does Tarlock fit into that? Is are they somehow collaborating together to somehow? wrangle both benders and non-benders into whatever their ideal crazy society is. Mm-hmm. See, this is this is my problem with Platinum being in the series. It's like, okay, <laughs> if we got, if we have Platinum, don't we have, like, coal? Like, is there a non-bending resource? If our world is in any way similar to their world, then why Maybe not they, get they rid of all the benders? Exist. Yeah. It's, like, it's well, pollution. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, yeah, obviously there's no pollution, but, like, they, they had airships based on hot air, you know, just because firebenders are making the fire doesn't mm-hmm. mean they don't know that things burn. Like, uh, it's, it's, uh, oh, they I, remember, I mean, They remember all the, like, big black dust clouds created by the firebenders back <laughs> yeah. in the war, and they're trying to go green. So they're using <laughs> clean electric lightning bending energy to function. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah. it sort of makes sense to me, too, because civilizations will sort of adapt their technology to, like, the resources that they have. And if they have all these super-powered people, it makes sense to me. Like, they'll industrialize in a way yeah. to take advantage of those things. Whereas, you, look, you, you know, you look at how Western civilization has industrialized. But this is actually, you know, what we've seen with the industrial era – it has happened like hundreds, thousands of years before in other ways, and we've kind of just forgotten about them too. So, like, uh, like ancient China and uh, you know the ancient Rome days, like they were doing some really interesting stuff that sometimes we just forgot about. Like, uh, I, have you guys heard about the story of uh, of cement? Just like making cement, we forgot how to do it for two thousand years. <laughs> the Romans knew how to do it, and then we forgot. And then wait, wait, so you discovered it. Yeah. You're saying while Ford was turning out Model T, someone was making Tony Stark gloves? <laughs> Bingo. There you go. But we forgot it, how to make repulsors. Sorry. <laughs> no, they have to be used for weapons first. Haven't you lived in society? All good go. technology goes to weapon making before it goes to practical use. That's, 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 yeah, a good point. that's the story, always. But, it yeah. wasn't... Mm-hmm. Sokka's redesigned airship became the uh, the Fire Nation airships that almost burned down the Earth Kingdom in the end of season three. So that's <laughs> that's at least a consistent theme. 
There you go. Um, just to wrap up, are there any other little things that uh, stuck out to you here that you that you love? Little talking uh, through Pabu. Talking, talking through Pabu. That creature is the most adorable thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> Uh, I would, but actually, I will say that while I do love Pabu, I'm not getting enough Naga here. I'm having a real I, yeah. uh, Naga pops up at the beginning of the episode. He's just kind of like staring off into space, <laughs> well, and I'm like, oh, I need more of that. It's, it's hard to fit in the giant polar bear dog That's into true. this plot. All oh the no, time. I don't. I don't think so at all, guys. I think we're the only reason to show that Asami is really good at driving cars is for the mm-hmm. Korra on Naga chases Asami through the streets of Republic City after she turns evil scene that I am oh theorizing will exist. I mean, I, f- <laughs> I feel like if you're going to plant that detail, then it's going to come back. There's definitely going to be a callback there. Yeah. Well, yeah. she even says it. She's like, I only know how to drive a polar bear dog. And I'm like, they're going to do it. There's going to be a chase scene. <laughs> I can feel it. I don't think that's a fair race, though. Oh no! But I mean, that's yeah. the point. She's going to be bending from the back of Naga, and there's going to be this speeding around corners. And you're, you're, you know. oh, so there's going to be some sort of like road warrior mask. Yeah, yeah. There's a second. There's a second seat in the Sato mobile, so maybe the <laughs> lieutenants like on the back throwing like little electricity bombs. I could already, I could already live in the fan fiction of Korra. So I mean, <laughs> we're just super it. Um, yeah. The other thing I wanted to mention was we get to see Tano. Uh, who lost his bending powers in the hey, last Cora. episode? Um, How's it going? Which I yeah I know he he reminded me of Kurt Cobain. <laughs> I, I wrote that down. And I'm just like he he's so strung out. He looked totally yeah. zonked after being <laughs> having his powers stripped. And you know what's interesting? I've seen some people who are skeptical of whether people are actually losing their bending or not. Uh-huh. I've even seen some recaps. I know the Wall Street Journal does recaps of Cora every week, and they said, did he get his powers stripped? Here's Tano. That was their caption for the, the image they used. And I'm curious. Like I, I feel like that has to be a concrete thing. Yeah, yeah. I'd really – I don't know if I would be that thrilled if um, – the strip stripping people of bending was a, a a sham. It doesn't make sense narratively, and the only reason to show Tano this time is to show like the impact of what of what Aman has it been sucks. doing. Yeah. He's gone to every healer in uh, in Republic City, and they can't do mm-hmm. anything. That's that's hard. <laughs> I just I, I, I mean, love I, seeing him there and his hey Cora hey Cora what's up. <laughs> I think we know that he used liquid eyeliner because he can't bend it onto his face anymore. <laughs> I never thought about that. Make makeup. You really lose your powers if, if, if you're stripped. Yeah, why even, why even bother putting it on anymore? Why I wake up dance? in the morning? <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Uh, well, anything else, guys? Um, I think we're coming up on a bye week, which sucks. So, I mean, I guess we'll probably be rewatching these episodes and trying to find... I, it's... Um, immediately obvious why there was no pre-existing promo material after and the winner is yes because you you can't really show any scene from this episode which makes me think that all episodes from here on out just like all bets are off everything we saw yeah everything we saw in the promotional materials for Korra has either been half destroyed or is completely different than when we started the series so we're in a new brave new world um but yeah we will definitely be having an episode next week in some capacity in some way uh even though the show is taking a break and we will continue to attempt to figure out when the next new episode is uh i'm not sure we are 100 percent positive of that right now dave you might be the better uh resource there um i'm hearing that there might be two weeks off but i also know that nickelodeon wants to do a double pop with a few of the episodes mm-hmm. so that they could um you know still get in at an okay schedule so memorial day weekend for our american listeners 
probably not going to be an episode. Maybe an episode the week after that. Maybe not. But hopefully we come back with a double pop. Or that's what I'm really, really hoping. That's two episodes on the same day. Sorry. Skeleton in the closet. Anybody? Perhaps. <laughs> um, well, that about wraps things up for this episode of Republic City Dispatch. Uh, why don't we sign ourselves off here? Dave? Hey, I'm Dave with the 7. You can follow me on Twitter at DA7E, and then also listen to the other podcasts I do with Matt Patches at opkino.com, O-P-K-I-N-O. You can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Devendra. I write about technology at venturebeat.com, and I podcast about movies and TV at slashfilm.com. Devendra, I hope you start writing about, like, electric gloves in your tech oh, features. I'm, and actually, Platinum was a big thing, too, because that <laughs> crazy uh, asteroid mining startup that James Cameron right. and a couple other people are backing, like, Platinum is one of the materials they're looking for. So I'm telling you, Moon Spirit, playing, yeah. delivering some <laughs> Platinum to Amon. Just throwing that wild theory out there. I'd love to see that come back, because lit- she is still there, just hanging out. Doing, doing her thing. Well, I mean, she's going to be there forever, and that's the nature of being the moon. Yeah, yeah. That happens. My girlfriend's the moon now. <laughs> <laughs> that's tough man that's tough <laughs> hard break anywho i am matt patches i'm the movies editor of hollywood.com as dave mentioned we do another podcast operation kino which you can find on itunes and you can find me on twitter at mr m-i-s-t-e-r patches p-a-t-c-h-e-s remember to follow republic city dispatch on twitter rc dispatch uh we're on tumblr i think you can just go to republiccitydispatch.com and uh leave us some nice comments on either of those or on itunes reviews. Uh, We love the, the feedback. So thanks very much, and we will talk to you next time.